This is impossible. This is impossible. Impossible is, is a virgin bearing a child. God made it happen once. And, and so I just always want to ask, is this the second time? <laughs> this is the second time God is performing the same miracle. So I hear those all the time. I don't know how this happened. This is impossible. There's obviously but one way to get pregnant. My wife cannot become pregnant if we just live in the same house. And if we just kind of uh, enjoy one another and we just like one another's company, hallelujah for that. You don't get pregnant that way. And that's exciting. We really can't be surprised. And you're going, where on earth is it going with this? Um, Pregnancy happens when? Pause for effect. When a female's egg is fertilized by a male specimen, right? That's as scientific and as gross as we're going to get here, okay? Um, But I'm not the only one to make this connection. See, new life happens. New life happens in this intimate way that goes well beyond I like you and I respect you. And in a loving, intimate moment, new life is created. And what do we do when we find out new life has been created? Well, now we find a way to to blow something up or to eat some kind of cake or something that reveals whether it's going to be a boy or a girl and something's pink or something's blue. And basically, we find some way to tell everybody the good news, or maybe it's just the news, (laughs) that we're pregnant. And, and I'm, I'm not that, you say, why are you making that connection? Well, I'm not the first one to make that connection. You know, Jesus kind of did the same thing in, in describing new life when you come to know Him. Because new physical life is, is much life, is much like new spiritual life. And in, a, in, in, a, in an instant, in a moment, we go beyond just knowing who God is and just spending time in the same place with Him. And having some respect for Him. And in the moment that we confess that we're sinners and we ask Him, the good and only God and Savior, to save us, we are given new life. And when we're given new life, what do we do after that? What, what should we be doing right after that? Then we should do the same thing that we do when we know new life is coming. We tell somebody. Right after we do that, we begin to tell somebody. Because, much like with actual pregnancy, pretty soon we know that if we don't tell anybody, pretty soon they're going to know anyway. Because when somebody's pregnant, you can tell, except for a few really freaky cases that they made a whole TV show about where you don't know. But usually, you absolutely are going to find out pretty soon, so we might as well go ahead and tell you. And when you have new life in Jesus, we should be able to tell. You should go ahead and tell everybody because it should be, we're going to know pretty soon because your life is going to be different. Quick pause before we move. We're jumping into the text and, and, and dig into this idea a little deeper. But I, I think at that moment, it's, it's important to say a reality. And it's just to ask the question, can you become a follower of Jesus and not actually look different? Can you secretly become a follower of Jesus and no one ever know? It would seem like that may be the case because when we look around in the church, some of us are, you know, super spiritual and some of us are are way less. And some of us, no one would ever know if we were a follower of Jesus if we didn't explicitly say it. And sometimes not only do we have to explicitly say it, we really have to convince people (laughs) Um, because they're so certain that that maybe we're not. Um, But I would say to you that 
Salvation that doesn't produce a radical change. Salvation that, that doesn't change who we are, that we don't feel compelled to talk about, probably isn't saving faith at all. A faith that does not change is also a faith that does not save. And so it's a faith that's really not good for much at all. And what I want to do today is I want to zero in on, on that time in life after you put your faith in Jesus and after you get baptized. And after you do that, I want to talk about the part where you finally begin to tell someone. Because we're going to see soon, and you finally begin to talk about it. Because going public with your faith, doesn't it's not just baptism. That's not the only time that you, you really go public and you tell people. Right? It doesn't end there. In Matthew chapter 28, um, you may be real familiar with this, Matthew 28. Then you know exactly what verse we're starting in. If you know this, we'll start around verse 18. But in Matthew 28, we get this thing. We've come to call it the Great Commission. And so it's this real big thing we talk about all the time. And, uh, and we want to jump in there because what I love about Matthew 28 is, is we get to see the very last thing that Jesus said. And to me, it's the coolest thing because right after Jesus says this, you know, he's, He ascends into heaven. And so I, I'm just picturing Him sometimes, like, standing on this cloud. I don't think that He really, like, stood in a cloud and just disappeared until we couldn't see Him, you know. But, how, but even if, you know, just for fun, have fun with me, okay? Um, but I just imagine Jesus on this thing, and He's going up, and He's trying to tell you this last important thing. And you know it's the last thing that you're ever going to hear him say. And he's given, and you've been with him for a couple years and you've given up everything to follow this guy. You've given up your business. You've given up everything. And he's going up and he's trying to tell you something important. And I just picture him going up and sort of getting a little bit out of range and kind of like kneeling down. And you're like, you know, you're just trying to catch that last little piece that he's going to say to you before he goes. And it's like he's saying, your training is now done. And now here's your job. Uh, I couldn't say this without thinking of this clip. So just for fun, uh, watch this clip. This is a great clip of somebody who uh, says something I can't like. something in the light. That's good, huh? What did he say? I know. I showed that this morning and, and the girls were practicing for music and I realized they hadn't seen this. <laughs> what a crime. But anyway, it's okay to be young, all right? Uh, he says, he says, earn this. <laughs> earn this. Earn this. And you do have to lean in, you know, and you have to lean in. He had to say it twice. And in similar vein, it's like Jesus is saying, because by the way, Tom Hanks dies right there. And, uh, and, and in similar vein, Jesus is, is like saying, I died for you to give you new life. And now here's what you need to do with it. 
And now here's what I'm giving you to do with it. And that's what he's doing in Matthew chapter 28. He's saying, here is the last thing. Here is what you must do. And so here's what he says. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Let's start in verse 16. So then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus died on the cross. They haven't seen him since he died. They heard that he rose. Then then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. I'm sorry, they saw him once since he rose, just in case you're counting and you're real technical. But to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is where that Great Commission part starts. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you got this gathering and you got these 11 disciples. And you probably also have a few extra people in there. And Jesus says, with all the authority under heaven, what I'm telling you to do is to go and make disciples. That's what I'm telling you is your mission in life. And mind you, He doesn't say go make Christians or go make churchgoers or you know, go serve food with the Red Cross. Like All that stuff's good. But, it, but that's not what he says. He says, go and make disciples. People who will live out my mission. People who will also make disciples. And he says, I want you to do that by, by baptizing them. And we look at this word baptizing, and, and as you kind of dig into it, um, oftentimes when we see this word, what we're looking at is a word that's describing less water baptism and describing more what takes place when you put your faith in Jesus. And so what he's saying to them is, what he's saying to them is, make disciples by leading people to faith in me. I want you to make disciples, and where that starts is by leading people to put their faith in me. So the first question is this. So he says, he tells them to do two things here. He's about to leave. He tells them two things that they've got to do. This is your mission. So the question is, if this is, if this is one half... <laughs> of your entire purpose in life, leading people to faith in Jesus, if this is one half of your entire, of your entire existence, like, like actually opening your mouth and telling someone the good news of the gospel, that you can spend eternity as a child of God both here on earth and in heaven when you die by recognizing that Jesus is the Savior and asking Him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. That truth right there, like opening your mouth and sharing that truth, that that is half of your life's purpose, is, is sharing that truth with people, living it out in front of people and sharing that truth. I would say, are you fulfilling half of your life's purpose? How well are you doing at fulfilling half of your life's purpose? If, I, if you had a job and it was to upload... X amount of numbers into a spreadsheet and that was half your job and the other half of your job was all kind of other things. And you never actually got around, even though you meant to and you wanted to and you had been trained to, but you never actually got around to entering any of those numbers in the spreadsheet. Or once last year, you entered those numbers into the spreadsheet and you did a great job. You did it perfectly. Would your boss say, you know what, you're doing okay. You're doing a pretty good job. Keep up the good work. 
Sometimes we give ourselves this ultimate pass on doing what Jesus has called us to do. But man, we're really doing a pretty poor job. I hear a lot of reasons. Some of them come from my own mind. I just tell them to myself. Uh, but I hear a lot of reasons why, why people say they don't do that. And one of them is, uh, is one that I've said a few times, or at least I've thought to myself. But it's the reality that it can be offensive. Sometimes when we share the gospel, when we share that truth with people, it can be offensive. Because I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy. And if you come tell me that the reality is that I'm not nice enough. In fact, I'm so bad that if I died right now, I'd spend eternity apart from Jesus. That's, that's pretty harsh. I mean, it can be offensive. And I think that what I can probably do is just live okay, live pretty well, keep doing what I'm doing, and that should probably be enough. I ask the staff at work all the time, all the time. I ask them to, to talk to students. You know, we're doing workforce training. And I ask them to say things to students like, you are not ready for work. And if this were work, we would fire you today. That's how bad you're doing. And that is incredibly offensive. And some people take a lot of offense at it. But if we're anything less than incredibly direct, what they hear is, I'm doing pretty good. And we need to say the absolute truth because if we're not absolutely clear with them, then what they'll do is they'll find their way into a job later and they'll get fired from it. And a lot of that training that we've done will have been lost because we didn't actually prepare them to go to work. May you offend someone by telling them the truth that they need to hear? Yes, you will at some point. Absolutely and completely you will do it. Is it still worth it to speak the truth? Yes. Absolutely and completely. The second thing is this. Jesus literally said this. With all authority under heaven, I command you to do this. That's pretty strong. With all the authority under heaven, this is what I command you to do. And so when you say, I live a pretty good life. I don't take the last piece of cake, you know, unless, at least not if it can be pinned on me. You know, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I'm a pretty nice guy. I don't do things like that. I don't fuss at my husband for watching too much TV. I'm, I'm really a saint. I do a lot of really good things. And, and so I think that that's probably good enough. Is it really necessary to go beyond that and to actually verbally share your faith? Is it necessary to do that? And all I would say to you is exactly what the text says to you, exactly what Jesus said. With all authority under heaven and earth, I say, go and make disciples. And so it's not me telling you that, that that's what you've got to do. It's Jesus saying, with all the authority that can ever be given, this is what I'm calling you to do. Another reason people don't do it, and I think this is more true than, than sometimes we think, but... Another reason people don't do it is because I think sometimes we don't really believe the gospel. That if people die apart from knowing Jesus, that they're bound for eternity apart from Him. And if that were a reality that we were really facing on a regular basis, wouldn't that change how often we shared the truth? Uh, Charles Spurgeon, this real famous pastor, been dead a long time. He was once approached by somebody in his congregation. The guy said, Pastor, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble understanding how people who have never heard about Jesus can be saved. And Spurgeon replied to him, that is a pretty troubling question. But here's an equally troubling one. 
How can those of us who have heard about Jesus and do nothing to take the gospel to those that don't, how can we be saved? He says, if we really believe this gospel, if we really believe this thing, then the most troubling thing in our lives is why do we not care about people at all? Why are we not really sharing it all the time? If we really believe this truth, why would we not share the gospel all the time? Do we really believe that our roommate, co-worker, father, spouse, total stranger in the park, that if they die apart from knowing Jesus, will spend an eternity in a place of suffering? Do we really believe that reality? And if so, how can we be silent? The last reason uh, that I hear people say that they don't share their faith is because they have not been trained to do that. Nobody really ever taught me how to do that. I'll take part of that one in the gut. I haven't modeled that very well. Even if you're a super Christian and you come to small group, which is what gets you into super Christian status. Uh, even if you've been doing that, you know, not always am I sharing the stories of when I've shared the gospel and not often enough am I doing that and not often enough are we talking about it. But I'll only take it a little bit because here's a reality that I know. And look, you've heard this. I've said it. A lot of people say it. But, but there's a real reality that if I see someone who is, you know, it's an old western and they've been bound to the train tracks because you know that's how they kill people in western cartoons. And, uh, and, and, that's, and somebody's bound there. And maybe there's no train coming right now. But I just know that there's a reality that it may. What I don't say is I've never really been trained in knot tying. <laughs> and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go take a knot tying class. I mean, not right now. I'm busy right now. But like, but like in six months, I'm going to go take a little knot tying class. Hopefully the train doesn't come before then. And as long as it doesn't come before then, I go take the nighttime class, I'll loop back around. If you still happen to be here, I'll get you. <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't really matter how much we've been trained. If we feel like someone really needs us, we just find a way to get it done. Or at least we, we go down trying. And so I, I, I totally get the idea that we don't talk near enough about saving, about sharing our faith. But that only goes so far. If I really believe that the repercussions of not responding to the gospel and giving your life to Jesus means an eternity apart from Him, a lack of training doesn't stop me from doing that. And so half of what Jesus told us to do is to be people that share our faith. I've told you guys before about the first time that I preached. Um, it was a, an experience I'll never forget. I got up there and I'm ready to get started. There's a guy in the front row. He doesn't even he doesn't even let me get started. It's like the preaching time is his nap time. You know, he he's got no other purpose in this time but to take a nap. So he's he's right there, he's in the front row. I'm already a little discouraged. He's out. Like I've not even started yet. And he's just settled in. He's out. I'm already nervous. There's only like like twenty people there. Now there's one less. <laughs> and so uh, so I'm getting ready, getting started. It's a night service. So in, in these little churches, the night service goes like this. They sing three songs. No, they sing two songs, and then I'm up. So I get up there, and it's, it's 5.12. And the sign says the night service goes from 5 to 6. And I'm the last act. And that means I'm supposed to feel 48 minutes. And I've only prepared for about 20 or 25 
And, and so I, I get up there and I get going. And I'm giving it all I got. And I say everything that I've written down. And I feel like I probably haven't covered enough time. So I do my best to, to recap it to cover a little extra time. I pull some crazy stuff out of a hat. Who knows what I said there. And then I'm done. i got nothing else to say. If you've heard the story, you know that I look down. And it's 518. <laughs> and I preach what was supposed to be 20 minutes. I preach for six total minutes. I pray. And then I have to tell people that I'm done. Because <laughs> they don't know that, that we're finished. And somebody has to wake up the guy in the front row. And he wakes up and I'll never... He just He's like looking around like... You know how you take a really hard afternoon nap and you don't know what day it is when you wake up? He's so confused because I think he, he was in his REM cycle. You know, he wasn't even close to waking up. But I remember that completely. What he says in the text is he says, you share the gospel, I'm paraphrasing here, you share the gospel and then you disciple them. Or then you begin to teach them. Literally, what he says is, after you lead them to faith, then you teach them to obey my commands. So the other half of your purpose in life, your commission directly from the King of Kings, is to teach people to follow Jesus. Starting with your family, moving out from there. And that's the rest of your entire purpose. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting a dry race board, a dry race board and a pointer, and you're going to be a teacher, and, and you're going to be imparting advice and, and doing that kind of thing. Now, sometimes it, it happens all kind of different ways. Sometimes it happens in, in small group, and we're just sort of sharing with one another, and we're really teaching each other. And, and sometimes it does happen where, you know, you're leading children's and you're teaching them. And in all different kind of ways, we're teaching one another. And may you suck at it at first? You may. You may be absolutely terrible. And, and, and some people loved a six-minute sermon. They were ready to vote me in right there. But I was, I was not good. I'm still not awesome. But I got a, a little bit better because I knew that I had been called to do it. And I knew that I was supposed to work at it. And so in my calling to teach, I said, God, I know that you've called me to teach and to lead and disciple people. And so I'm going to work at it and I'm going to get better at it. And so may you stink at it, you probably will. And if you don't stink at it, that means you're incredibly gifted and you should have not been wasting your talent all the rest of this time. So the second question is, second question is, are you fulfilling the other half of your life's purpose? To be teaching people how to be a disciple. Like I said, we, we do this in small group. We, we teach each other, you know. And, and it's not that we're all teaching all at the same time. But it means that if anybody's out, the group goes on because we're just leading one another. Teaching to your family looks different than teaching the children here. Right? They're all different kind of ways to be someone who's teaching someone to be a disciple. But the big question is, are you doing it at all? Are you involved in making disciples? Jess and I used to pick up this kid. This was uh, back in high school. And we used to pick up this kid every week for church. And um, he was kind of annoying. Um, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to our podcast. So 
I'm not worried about him hearing it, but he was kind of annoying. And uh, but we picked him up every week, and I mean, just week after week after week, and um, and I think it's probably like a year. And we brought him to youth group on Wednesday, pick him up on Sundays, bring him to church on Sundays, and uh, and you know, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like he's undergoing a lot of life change. He's just enjoying being a junior high kid who gets to hang out with high school kids and that kind of thing. And uh, one Wednesday. He, uh, we're, we're sitting there, he sits next to us, and, and uh, somewhere in there, uh, I don't know 100% how it happened, Jess could tell the story better, but, but he says something, and Jess turns to him, and they have a conversation, and she gets to share the gospel with him, and he gives his life to Jesus. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you how incredible that is. I can't tell you how, you just have to feel it, how there is no greater joy than someone you love putting their faith in Jesus. No greater joy. And so everything I say to you today is it's not, not about browbeating you and saying you need to be doing better. But I, man, if, I just want you to experience that. Because no gift that you can get and no gift that you can give is as good as that. So do for someone the greatest thing that anyone can ever do for anyone. Share the gospel with them. That's what you do when you, when you lead people to faith in Christ. You literally do for them. How many times does someone need something and we say, you know, I don't know what I can do for you. I wish I knew what I could do. Let me know what I can do. But we, all, but we know the greatest thing that we can do for anyone. It's to share the gospel with them. Let me pray.